You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand the chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. Good morning, Ohio. It's James Ernest, The Grueling Truth, here with Brian Vikander, with the, the new author of the book, Dalco, The Untold Story of the Fastest Pitcher, or Baseball's Fastest Pitcher. <laughs> so, uh, Brian, how you doing today? Never better, thank you. Beautiful day here in Tucson, and excited about being able to talk to you about Dalkowski. So, what inspired you to write the book? It's the last great American sports legend that has never been told. Uh, we don't get these very often, James. These are the kinds of things that come along once in a lifetime. And there is no other legend that will ever equal the legend of Steve Dalkowski and a story that has never before been told. I've been following Dalko since I was a little eager in 1960 when I first heard about him. Every time I got a snippet of Dalko, I put it into a file and kept going. And finally, it just came to the point that between Bill Dembski and Alex Thomas and myself, we decided we're going to tell the last great American sports legend story. Yeah, I was going to say, that's the big thing, is that it is the one of those stories that a lot of people don't really know about. I mean, they know... You know, later on we'll discuss the movie that he inspired, but they don't know too much about uh, his life. And so something like this is really helpful to shine light on it. Because nowadays with social media, there's not going to be any other, uh, you know, people that go under the radar. That's absolutely true, James. And and because the legend was so big, I mean, this is this is the journey of the hero. You go all the way back in our mythology and in humankind. You have the departure, you have the fulfillment, and you have the return. And Dalkowski left shortly after he was a uh, graduated from high school in 1957 with great dreams about what he was going to do. And he never was able to fulfill that, and he could then never return. He was isolated. He was lonely. It's a wonderful story about a human being. He has been objectified over the years and never been addressed as a subject. And that's what we've done in our book. We've talked about the human being who, in fact, was a baseball player, but he was a person, too. So were the Orioles the right organization for him? You know, at that point in time, there wasn't anybody who was really teaching the kinds of things that Steve knew. You know, you got platitudes, and it's the same way in Little League Baseball today. Throw strikes. What do you think? The kid's out there throwing balls and walking people because he likes it? No, give, you got to give him another hint, right? You go, how am I going to throw strikes? What do I need to do, coach? But they didn't have guys like that. They tried. They did the very best that they could. And when it came to mental skills things, they had nobody out there who could help on those kinds of things. So the Orioles were no better or worse than somebody else. I've said before that... Um, Earl Weaver really became a trusted friend in Steve's life. Uh, that was a solid relationship that he had. Maybe Casey Stingle of the Yankees would have been able to do that. The Yankees uh, in the 50s and, you know, 
fifties, particularly when Stengel was managing him, he he really had a great understanding of how to take guys at different parts of their careers, put that role into a Yankee model, and just create the juggernaut of all baseball history. So perhaps Stengel and the Yankees would have been some kind of an answer, but there was really nobody out there who was doing the things that Steve needed help with to get these to get his control issues under control. So with that, I mean, going to other organizations, uh, being traded, anything like that really wouldn't have uh, impacted him, you think? I don't think so, unless he'd gone to Casey. You know, like I said, Casey was somebody who did that. Now, Earl Weaver continued to improve as as a manager. He's a Hall of Famer. He's a great one. I don't mean improve in a way that's denigrating in any sense of the word. Uh, Weaver couldn't couldn't play well enough to make the major leagues as a player he made it as a manager and he was a fine manager he did all kinds of things exceptionally well and he certainly helped Steve Dalkowski tremendously in the 1962 season and put him on the cusp to make the big club in 63 so how close did he get to making the big club he was one pitch away my friend I oh, mean wow. they had measured they had measured him for his uniform he was going to be on the roster, probably in, in short or middle relief in the bullpen for the Orioles in 1962, 63, excuse me, when he blew his arm out. Probably uh, UCL, Tommy John type surgery, and for that they had no answers, James. They didn't know. The uh, trainer for the Orioles at that point in time, imagine this, the trainer for the Orioles at that point in time was the guy who used to change the scoreboard numbers. What do you think his medical background was? you think he came out of Johns Hopkins? I don't think so. All they said was, out of rest, put some ice on it, don't throw curveballs kind of thing. And that was yeah. how they, they handled things. And it wasn't until years later that uh, Joe finally put together the Tommy John surgery. But they had they had no answers for these kinds of things. And in, in working with pitchers for, for better than 30 years, I can still say that down in the minor leagues, there's a, there's enough good arms, James. They get a good arm, and they blow out the arm. They just throw them away and get another good arm. It's, it's still that kind of mentality in some respects. So who you, you mentioned his coach, uh, Earl Weaver. Who were some of his teammates? Well, he had, um, he had some marvelous teammates. Steve Barber was a teammate who went on to win 20 games with the Orioles. Uh, Bo Belinsky was a teammate of his who went on to throw the first no-hitter for the Los Angeles Angels. Um, and Bo was quite a character himself. Boog Powell, MVP in the American League, a tremendous ball player. There were a lot of guys that played with him. And everybody loved Steve Delkowski. They said he was a great teammate. He was a good friend. He cared about the game. He cared about getting better. He wanted to improve. He needed somebody to help him do that. And today, we could do those kinds of things, James. I mean, I've taken kids who've never thrown a baseball before and transformed them into good pitchers. I'm not saying Hall of Fame pitchers. I'm saying pitchers who can throw strikes, get the ball over the plate, are repeatable, are able to do those kinds of things that you have to do when you go out on the hill. So, yeah, so, and if they could take, you know, you can take people that have never pitched before and make them pitchers, well, then you definitely could take someone who has the uh, uh, natural talent he has and really harness it. Absolutely, absolutely. If somebody had shared some simple information with him, James, for example, 50% of all hitters take the first pitch, all right? That's a given. 
right? When Dalkowski was pitching, many managers of opposing teams says, I want you to take pitches till he throws a strike, right? So you know they're not even swinging. On a on an 0-0 curveball, major league hitters hit 0-67. That's one for 20. That's not exactly a threat when you're out on the baseball field. You put all this information together and have Dalkowski go out to the hill and throw strike one, begin to pitch ahead, not always be behind in the count, and you change the mentality of this pitcher and the way he feels about himself and what he feels he can do each time he goes to the mound. The job is not to strike everybody out. The job is to get outs. And if I could get my pitcher to get 27 outs in 27 pitches, I'd be the happiest pitching coach in the world. I don't need 27 strikeouts. That's not going to make me feel better. I'd like one pitch outs. That's the way to go. So what were his uh, stats like? <clears throat> his stats were marvelous. He had, he had numbers that were truly unbelievable. When you take his... His uh, 1960 season in Stockton, he had 262 base on balls. He had 262 strikeouts. And with 262 strikeouts for a season in the minor leagues, he didn't even lead the league that year. There was another guy named Gary Kroll who had 309 strikeouts. That's unbelievable that somebody could strike out over 300 guys in the minors. They play fewer games than everything else. So he had uh, essentially a two-walk and two-strikeout ratio per inning pitch that's that's uh, that's really remarkable that's, that's those are huge numbers nobody went up to the plate and dug in on them i mean all of us so you go back to little league all of a sudden there's some dude out there on the hill who's throwing a little harder or maybe a lot harder than any of the kids you'd seen you're thinking about how do i safely get back to the dugout well, when you got a guy like Dalco who's lighting it up with octane that's going between 110 and 120 miles an hour, ain't nobody thinking about, gee, I think I'll go the other way with the pitch. I think I'll dig in here and look for the inside-out fastball. Now, these guys wanted to get their bat over with in a hurry. He had a lot of advantages. He simply didn't have anybody with the mental skills around him as a coach, mental skills coach, to help him understand how deep those advantages were. So when was his uh, fastest uh, performance? And, and as far as pitching is concerned, this is this is a mystery. And you're talking about his velocity, right, James? Yes. Yeah. His, his velocity, um, first of all, we can't be absolutely sure what his velocity uh, was. They didn't have radar guns. They hadn't been invented then. They did take him to the average proving grounds for the military would um, uh, had light cells that they could measure military uh, warhead you know uh, uh, shells uh, going around see how fast they were traveling they took them there to see if they could figure it out you remember in the 1940s bob feller threw a pitch against a speeding motorcycle in an effort to figure out how fast he was pitching we we don't have an answer to how fast dalco threw here's what we do have there's not one individual, not one. You've got Cal Ripken's father. You've got sudden Sam McDowell, who could really bring it. You've got Pat Gillick, who's in the Hall of Fame. There's not one person who ever saw Dalkowski throw and didn't say, hardest thrower ever, period, and you can rate 2 through 10 any way you want. That's, that, that's interesting. It's not like people said he's one of the fastest. He fits into that group. Everybody said fastest and then figure out what you want to do with the, the rest of the group. 
that's that's something that's something else. Cal Ripken Sr., Cal's dad, uh, was confident that he threw between 110 and 120 miles an hour. That is that's frightening. That that ball coming in is making an ugly sound when it comes to home plate, which in fact is threatening as well. Oh wow! So it sounds quite intimidating. Um, now most people have heard about Delco. Not so much in the traditional sense, but they've heard about the character that he inspired. How similar was he to uh, Nuke? Well, Ron Sheldon, when he put um, put Bull Durham together, he used a couple of fragments from Dalkowski's life to incorporate that movie. Nuke, Nuke Lelouch was a was a character that was loosely based on some of the things that surrounded the Dalkowski legend. Kevin Costner as the older ball player toward the end of his career being Lelouch's roommate and sort of mentor to try and help him on was also something that was extracted from the Dalkowski legend as well. And the thing was, Nuke Lelouch did in fact figure it out and, and make it to the major leagues. Uh, Steve Dalkowski had labored in the minor leagues for many years and still wasn't able to confidently pull all the pieces together to know that he could could make it to the next level. Uh, like I said, he was measured for a uniform spring training of 63, and he would have been would have been on the team if he hadn't blown his arm out. Would he have stayed the course and never gone back to the wild man and walking two guys per inning and trying to strike everybody out? We'll never know the answer to that question. We do have a track record that kind of indicates that he probably would have had the same kinds of issues. He would have had closer attention from from management and from the manager and management and the coaches around him as well. But you know, back in that that era, James, a pitching coach was was not always somebody who knew a lot about pitching. He may have been a great pitcher, but that doesn't mean you can convey the information to someone else to make them a great pitcher. It just means somehow you figured it out. Do you know how to get that information to somebody else? Oftentimes that wasn't the case, and many pitching coaches weren't even pitchers. They were somebody else, but they were good drinking buddies of the, of the manager, and so they ended up as a pitching coach. So we're not quite sure. Harry Brookeen was the was the pitching coach for the Orioles, was involved with them for many, many years. He worked with Dalkowski. He tried the very best that he could. I'm not denigrating Harry Brookeen. But there is there's there is some some word out there that some of the things that Harry was doing were ruining arms within the Orioles organization rather than building them. So it's it's an open ended question in some respects. So it sounds like he had a rough go of it, but uh, definitely with a lot of uh, natural talent. Once in a lifetime arm is what people say. That, that's hard to believe too, isn't it? Once in a lifetime arm from the people who saw it. Great scouts who, who had the opportunity to see pitchers like Bob Feller, Rex Barney, Ryan Duran, Herb Score, Nolan Ryan, Sandy Koufax, and they still talk about Dalkowski as the once in a lifetime arm. And Zeus took back the Thunderbolt in 1963 is what happened. Interesting. Um... You know, any uh, any chance that you know how they already did a movie similar or used him in a movie that there'll ever be a movie about him specifically? I am I am confident that we're we're going to get something like that going, James. Absolutely confident that, um, and the perfect guy would be Kevin Costner. 
uh, Cosmer loves baseball. He's familiar with the legend because he was in, in, in Bull Durham. He's done some of the finest baseball movies of all time. I still watch them. They still bring tears to my eyes. They're that good. And his movie of For Love of the Game in the middle, late 90s, was a pitcher toward the end of his career who mentally understood how to do the things on the on the hill. Uh, this this would be perfect perfect feed for for Costner to be able to put something like this together. And this would be a lot of fun. This is a baseball movie that isn't just baseball. It is something that uses baseball as a metaphor for life. And we can talk about a human story. Steve Dalkowski, the human being, who has been, like I said, objectified over the years and exaggerated about it. People didn't always tell the truth about what he was doing when he was out there. Uh, I'm, I'm really confident that we will get to a point somebody's going to express interest in taking this to the screen because it'll be one of the all-time great baseball movies. Get Kevin involved in it. It'll be one of the greatest because he's done some of the greatest. Oh, definitely. So before we let you go, where on social media, where on the web, where can we find out more about you and the book? It's at dalcobook.com. D-A-L-K-O-B-O-O-K.com. And that's, that'll give you all the information. One final thing, James, is as we, as we work through this legend, we did, in fact, find new information almost every day. And we want to keep that that that, uh, that channel open. So the, the the website itself is going to be that, dalcobook.com. People can go on there. And I get calls from people every couple of days who say, you know, I have this Dalco story. Well, we didn't know about him. He was a fan in, in, in some place in North Dakota. There's no way we would have known that fan was alive or had seen him. But we're getting new information all the time about Dalkowski. And it's just possible that one day the whole grail the video of dalco throwing is going to show up and we're going to have a whole set of new answers dalcobook.com sounds phenomenal we greatly appreciate you having you on the show today brian thanks so much for the opportunity i really do appreciate it you can't control what's outside your home but you can control what comes in because clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9 percent of viruses and bacteria including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand the chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. Need an extra hand with dinner? Just ask your connected home device to fill your pasta pot, and Delta Faucet Voice IQ technology will fill it with the perfect amount of water. Visit deltafaucet.com slash voice IQ to discover more.